back to Activity Quest, the podcast that's packed with stuff to do. I'm Bex, and in today's episode, Meg is cooking up a storm. She's making a dish from Disney's Encanto. Adam's telling us what we can do across the UK. And Dan is hopping aboard a very special ship with an odd link to our space programme. All right, so every episode of Activity Quest starts with a fun kids presenter doing something awesome. And this week, we're watching Disney's Encanto. I'm just kidding, but have you seen it? It is brilliant, and I love it very, very much. Uh, It's all about a family that live hidden in the mountains of Colombia. And, well, hi, Meg. Hola. I have spent all week singing along to the Encanto soundtrack. In Encanto, the family Madrigal all have special powers. Mirabel's mum, Julieta, has this special power of being able to heal people through food. And in the film, we see her cook the traditional Colombian food, arepa. Mirabel even sings about it, saying, My mum, Julieta, can make you feel better with just one arepa. Now, I truly believe that food can heal you, and I really wanted to have a go at making the arepas that we see in Encanto. So today, we are going to make our own. An arepa is a bit like a pancake, but it's made of corn flour instead of regular flour. It's crispy on the outside and soft on the inside. Truly magical. It comes from South America, and different countries in South America make their own versions of arepas. In Venezuela, they are normally thick and stuffed with a filling like shredded beef or black beans, whereas in Colombia, which is where Encanto is set, they are normally more flat and they are eaten with cheese. The most important ingredient in our arepas is the corn flour. The arepa was created before Colombia even existed as a country, from an area that now includes Colombia, Venezuela and Panama. People would have got fresh corn and ground it by hand and dried it out until it made a flour. And people got up as early as 5am to do this. But today we are going to use pre-bought corn flour because it would take us ages to make it from fresh corn. I had to get my arepa flour online and you need to make sure there's the right kind. It might be called masarepa or harina de mas refinada. I'm going to apologise now for my Spanish accent because I'm probably saying that a little bit wrong because I don't speak Spanish. So this recipe makes five arepas and we're going to try and learn a little bit of Spanish, the language spoken in Encanto, as we go along. So the first thing you want to do is mix together two cups of arepa flour. The word for flour is harina in Spanish. And then two cups of warm water, half a teaspoon of salt and four tablespoons of butter in a bowl. Knead together all the ingredients until the mixture has a soft consistency. I love mixing the ingredients with my hands because it feels like when you play with slime. It is super fun and you get really messy in the kitchen, but then once it forms that dough, you'll find that your hands are completely clean. Now you can add more water, or agua, as they say in Spanish, if it is too dry, or more arepa flour if it is too wet. And when you practice this recipe a lot, you'll learn to do it without even thinking, and you'll just know from the texture when you need more flour or more water. In Encanto, Julieta Madrigal makes arepas con queso. Con queso means with cheese in Spanish. So if you'd like to make your arepas con queso, add half a cup of grated cheese and mix it into the dough at this point. Once the dough is ready, make five balls and place them between two sheets of baking paper. And then roll the balls with a rolling pin and you want them to be about half an inch thick for Colombian arepas. 
If you want Venezuelan arepas, you could leave them thicker. Make sure your arepa is round and cut off any extra to shape it to be round if you need to. Oh dear, I'm looking at mine now and mine are not circles at all. So I've got a butter knife and I'm just carefully making them more of a circle, more round. At the moment they look like squircles, but you know, it takes a lot of practice to be good at rolling. And if yours are perfect the first time, then I think you must already be an arepa pro. But if like me, you need to do a bit of editing, I think that's okay on your first go. Get an adult to put a little oil on a pan or a griddle and turn the hob onto a medium heat. As soon as the griddle is hot enough, your adult can add the arepas one by one and cook them on both sides until they're golden and crispy. You can also add some cheese on top while they are cooking so it goes all nicely melted and gooey. I'm having my arepas with pico de gallo, which is a salsa made from tomatoes, lime and onion. But you can have them with anything. In Colombia, people eat them with more cheese and butter for breakfast and a hot chocolate. Or you could add an egg and have arepa de huevos, which means arepa with eggs. Or maybe you could make them sweet by adding jam and sugar and cinnamon. Probably not a good idea if you've added cheese to the mix though, because that wouldn't taste very nice. If you're wondering what to do with this flour that you've bought, you can also have a go at making tamales, which is another Colombian food which is also eaten in Mexico. You might remember it from the Disney film Coco. Or I like to use the arepa flour to make corn tortillas for tacos, which is another kind of South American, Central American food which you can fill with all sorts of things. Arepas taste delicious and after cooking them I definitely felt my casita come alive with magic just like in Encanto. What are you going to eat your arepas with? Do let me know. Adios! Oh my gosh, Meg, that sounds so delicious. If you want to make Meg's recipe, by the way, all of the details are on the Fun Kids website, funkidslive.com. Now, though, it's time for some events from across the UK. This half-term, check out a really exciting family show that blends hip-hop, contemporary and South Asian dance with music and storytelling to celebrate individuality and diversity. Same, same, but different is at the place in King's Cross on Wednesday the 16th of February. It's suitable for ages 5+. plus. Just head to theplace.org.uk to find out more. Get moving, stretching and feeling calm and confident with yoga classes from the comfort of your own home. Poppy Woods is a qualified yoga teacher. Improve flexibility and strength and get to use your muscles in fun and new ways. Poppywoodsyoga.com Thanks to Adam there. And now remember, whatever you do and however you do it, the reviews in your podcast app is the best place to tell us. Drop us a five-star review, nothing less, please, and we'll read your comments out next week. Now, though, you might remember a little thing called Mission Transmission. This is our record-breaking, history-making radio programme, the first radio programme to be sent into deep space, and it's going to be filled with your voices. There's still plenty of time to enter on the Fun Kid website, that is funkidslive.com, and the whole thing is being sent from the Royal Observatory Greenwich, part of Royal Museums Greenwich. So, Royal Museum Greenwich have loads of awesome venues to visit. There's the Queen's House, the National Maritime Museum, and the Cutty Sark. Let's find out a little bit more, shall we? I'm standing next to quite a choppy, blustery, breezy River Thames in London, and just in front of me I can see a magnificent 
broad, striking, historic ship. Uh, and just looking at it, it's so easy to imagine travelling back in time 150 years ago as it would have sailed on much choppier waters than this one, travelling thousands of miles to the other side of the world, sailing to China uh, to come back home with a boatload full of tea. Now, we can't actually travel back through time, but we can do the next big thing. So I've come here uh, to have a look around and see what a day out would be like on board the Cutty Sark. Cutty Sark is a tea clipper. Uh, it's a ship that used to move tea from Shanghai in China to London, uh, and it did this over 150 years ago. You start by entering the hull of the ship. I'm looking here at this inside that they've got tacked up right in the middle of the Cutty Sark, and it's just full of these boxes. There must be hundreds of them, almost thousands, just laden with tea that they would have transported all the way back from China. So this is from 1870. And thousands of miles back then just to bring tea is, is pretty incredible, really. Now, Georgie toured me around Cutty Sark. Georgie, tell us about what a day on the Cutty Sark is actually like. So visitors can uh, see where the cargo was stored, where all the tea was, and they can learn about the other cargoes that Cutty Sark uh, held after her tea-carrying days. And they can also see where the crew would have slept and worked and ate and where job, other jobs on deck were done, um, such as the, the smithery and things like that. The smithery? Yeah. These living museum kind of things always amaze me, the way you bring stuff to life. Uh, how have you managed to do it here? Like, we've got screens to our left. W what else is here that, that help us learn in, like, a bit more of an exciting way? So the, the visitor journey through the ship is kind of like a timeline of her history. So you start in the, the tea days and you learn all about the history of tea and why it was important um, and the tea races as well, which Cutty Sark is infamous for. You then go up onto what we call the tween deck and you learn about what happened after the tea trade um, slowed down and you learn about when Cutty Sark was more famous for carrying wool from Australia and New Zealand. Um, and then you go up onto deck and you learn about the daily lives of the people who crewed Katisark. I'll be honest, I'm still pretty exhausted from the Go Ape adventures last weekend. Probably time to check out the living quarters to see if there's a place that I can rest my head. Remember, all the people working on the Cutty Sark as they travelled across the world uh, would have needed a little bit of shut-eye too. We've come inside a cabin, which is very rustic, very old-fashioned. It's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve bunks, uh, a checkers table in front of us. Uh, Georgie, who would have been here? So this deck house was for the less qualified uh, men who would have served on Cutty Sark. As you can see, it's pretty cramped. Um, we'll go down to the cabin's captain in a bit and you'll be able to see the difference between how much space they were allowed um, people often comment on how small the beds seem and it's not because people were shorter at the time it's because they wouldn't really have slept and rested in the way that we expect to sleep and rest after work they worked on four hour shifts so you would have kind of just curled up and got whatever rest you really could and actually the small space of the bunk meant that you could curl up and brace yourself against the movement of the ship um, so it kind of it kept you in your bunk and it kept you steady for as long as you needed to be. Now tea was serious business. British society at the time thought that they deserved the freshest tea, the best possible, and that meant they had to get it back to London as quickly as possible. 
premiums used to be paid to the ships that travelled all those miles the fastest. That's why we call that period of time the tea races, and because the British wanted the freshest, fastest tea, that also meant lots of negotiations, which is why the next room was built. So this space looks quite out of place considering the rest of the spaces we've seen on Katisag. It's got lovely wood-panelled walls and a bit of gold gilding and a big dining room table. It almost looks as if it could be in like a first-class cabin on the Titanic or something like that. Um, this is the captain's dining room, and it's important that it looks like this because this wouldn't have just been used when they were sailing. It also would have been used when they were in port. So this is where important business deals would have been done. And it would have shown that Cutty Sark was a force to be reckoned with and that, that they should be taken seriously professionally and that the, the deals that were being done should be well compensated. So it finally made it to the top out looking over London, facing the River Thames, really, really high, by the way, in this magnificent old ship. Um, and there's a lot around Greenwich that we can see. Georgie, tell us what else is in like the nearby area. So Cutty Sark's part of Royal Museum's Greenwich, which also includes the National Maritime Museum, the Queen's House and the Royal Observatory, which is up through beautiful Greenwich Park up on the hill. It's a bit of a steep walk, but it's worth it. And one of the best parts about Cutty Sark because it's in the capital, London, uh, not just, you can't just get here by boat, I don't know how you would do that, but also it's really easy to get to, Georgie. Tell us tell us how, how we find it. I mean, you can't miss it because it's a massive black ship in the middle of London, but how do we get here? Well, you can arrive by boat. You can take the uh, Thames Clipper um, from the centre of London down towards Greenwich, and there is a pier literally just outside Cutty Sark, so you can just walk up. What if we, what if we have our own boat? Is there, is there a thing? Can I do a deal? <laughs> I'm not sure about private moorings. <laughs> um, another way to cross the river is if you come by DLR, the Docklands Light Railway, to Island Gardens, you can then walk underneath the Thames and come right out by Cutty Sark, which is a really exciting way to start your visit um, and a really a bit of a different thing to do. I I have been, you know, I know quite a little bit about the Cutty Sark, quite a lot about London, but walking underneath the Thames. <laughs> if we wanted to come here, where would we need to go? How much would it cost us? Uh, have you got some deals on to, to get us along here right now? So we're currently running a fantastic deal that when you buy an adult ticket, a child can enter for free. Uh, we don't normally run this and we're running it because we're really excited to get local people back at Cutty Sark and experiencing everything she has to offer. <laughs> It's been a really amazing day out, worth spending some of your time this summer. It's as close as you can really get to time travel. They've got something to keep you busy on every single deck of the ship. When you're right at the top, you can see and, and feel what it was like to live as a crew member and a sailor as well. And you can even have a look around where the captain would have ate dinner. So a brilliant day out for me on Activity Quest. Uh, well worth coming down to, I think. Thank you to my old pal, Dan, for that. If you want to find out any more information, go to rmg.co.uk. Now, Royal Museums Greenwich is home to Mission Transmission, where we're sending your voice into space. That's happening at their observatory in February, and there's still time to send your voice to space at funkidslive.com. And also remember, there's loads of episodes of Activity Quest that you can go back and listen to at any time. If you're after some more suggestions, just scroll back in your podcast app and pick an episode you fancy. Whatever you do and however you do it, tell us at funkidslive.com slash activityquest. And remember to rate, review and follow this podcast wherever it is you're listening to it. I'm Bex and this has been a podcast from the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. Listen to me on your DAB digital radio, online, on the free Fun Kids mobile app and on your smart speaker. Just say, play Fun Kids every weekday from 4pm. See ya!
The Space Programme is a Baffle Gab production for the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. You can listen to Fun Kids all day on your DAB digital radio, on your smart speaker by saying play Fun Kids, and on the free Fun Kids mobile app. You can also listen online and play loads of games, quizzes, as well as find out the latest news at funkidslive.com.